0: Welcome to The Elephant on the Couch, where we're finally addressing what makes us uncomfortable. This is a judgment free space designed to finally help the elephant in the room get on the couch and start the conversation. So join us. Let's get that elephant on the couch and let's get uncomfortable. Hey everyone, welcome back to The Elephant on the Couch. I am your host, Tanya. And I am your co host, Dulce. Welcome back to The Elephant on the Couch. Um, let's do a little quick check-in before we start okay (laughs) today how are you doing I am
1: this regulated AF (laughs) our topic today is very intense and so because it is intense I have already found like 500 excuses to not start the episode Um, but here we are we're taking in like a champ Mm -hmm. mm-hmm I think I'm in a space where I'm actually okay, like that's it, like I'm not complaining, I feel comfortable um but that's about it i i don't I don't have anything like out of the norm, pretty steady, yeah, like just a steady, interesting just going with whatever's coming, kind of yeah attitude energy, motion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's the mojo right now. Mm-hmm. How are you?
0: I am I think I'm there with you in the okay space i as we're recording this today today is Labor day. here as we are recording this live by the time we release it won't be labor day anymore, but I think it was nice to have a little three day weekend um it was really helpful because I did find myself getting when it comes to like work getting burned out and just like. A lot to do, especially because it is the beginning of the month. Um, but I'm like slowing down. It's been really nice to do absolutely nothing. I attempted to go on a hike today. That was fun. A <laughs> hundred and at 100, That's exactly. ninety degrees
1: at hundred and
0: five <clears throat> degrees. But even high. that, that was nice because, like, I sweat off the, the <laughs> nastiness. That's the smell. In the the room. emotional <laughs> nastiness <laughs> for sure. Yeah, but it's it's been good. I did want to say also thank you to you guys that are engaging with us in social media and our IG we've been doing this little dynamic that we play little games and you guys have been really responsive to that so we appreciate the effort and time and commitment to just play with us. Yeah. Play along. It's nice. It's fun. Hopefully you guys continue to do that and let us know if there's anything that any ideas any sparks your interest that you think it's important for us to talk about yeah or to play and have fun and keep that balance of the end of the week um but today as Dulce as you said at the beginning today's topic is going to be more on the heavy side of things like we said this space was created for this purpose of having difficult conversations having uncomfortable conversations and as you acknowledge we are very much there today
1: yeah i think i even giggled at the beginning as i was saying it right
0: Um, as we have said before that is your coping mechanism
1: yep that is my way of responding to uncomfort i laugh nervously so um i apologize in advance if it slips out i'm trying my best to not let it slip out
0: right but Um, i think i think it's important to know that too that this is us being vulnerable. That When we first introduced this space, this is what we said. We are going to get really uncomfortable and we're going to be vulnerable. And with that comes not scripted conversations, not perfect conversations. This is raw. This is a reality. When you guys do have these conversations at home within your circles, it's never going to be perfect. Right. But that's the effort that we put in and push through that initial emotion and still be willing to have them. So I, I want to give you kudos for that i know it's hard but you're being a trooper you're being a champ and you're putting yourself out there you're being very vulnerable yeah
1: yeah. i think it's important to note that that's a big reason why our episodes are as long like we wanted our episodes to be like way shorter than they are but because of the type of things that we talk about like we end up like having more than what we desire but at the end of the day like i'm very happy with our product right like mm-hmm. once i'm done listening and i'm like oh that was good and even the ones that were not as good
0: <laughs> yeah
1: like i i still like that we are just being ourselves mm-hmm. around you guys
0: yeah it, it is at the end of the day a genuine conversation we could just like cramp this in like 30 minutes and go boom 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 but it doesn't feel genuine right so organic Yeah, and you guys have been really good at um, sticking with us through the episode, so we appreciate that. But today...
1: Let's start with a disclaimer, yeah?
0: Yes. So today's episode, like we've been saying already, it's more on the heavy side. So we do want to let you guys know out there listening that it is a difficult topic. It is a sensitive topic. So as any other time, if while we're having this conversation today, it's triggers certain emotions in you... Besides the uncomfortability of listening to this topic, if you're getting triggered, you find yourself um, having difficult thoughts or unhelpful thoughts, we want to encourage you to take a break, know your limits, walk away. It's okay, you can pause this and walk away and skip this week if needed. On the same thought, we do want to encourage you to push through that uncomfortability, open your eyes, open your heart, your ears, and be willing have the conversation with us and be uncomfortable with us however like we said know your limits there is resources in our instagram page i do we have on facebook i'm not sure i'm not sure but for sure on instagram i know they are and it literally is labeled resources there is numbers in there for help for mental health um and then some other numbers that can be used if needed
1: and you can always go to your doctor like just your primary care physician and ask for resources if you are going to school a majority of schools have a social worker if you're doing um, upper school bachelor's university community college majority of the places have a resource center that will be able to guide you to the right direction so um feel free to reach out Uh, We do want to give you the National Suicide Prevention Line number before we start. Um, It is 800-273-TALK. 800-273-8255. And the reason why we're giving this number out is because today's episode is...
0: On suicide awareness and trying to take away some of the stigma that surrounds this topic september is suicide awareness month so hopefully this episode will be released in september most likely so we wanted to take this opportunity just like we did in mental health to bring awareness to this very very important conversations and um just a little follow up on the disclaimer like we said before this isn't a replacement for therapy although we are therapists we are not giving any professional advice here we're having an honest conversation about this
1: yeah so we're gonna start off with mindfulness and grounding as you guys know we are doing everything DIY, um and you might hear some noises in the background because i have dogs and a child <laughs> um and we try our best to like stay isolated from outside noise but because mindfulness is so like quiet grounding exercises are so quiet you might hear some stuff in the background so i apologize in advance. Um, but we're doing just a quick rounding exercise to kind of get everybody calm as we already gave you our disclaimer. So if you're driving, please do not close your eyes. (laughs) If you're listening to us, please make sure that you're in a safe space. Um, if you are driving, just make sure that you are focused on the road, but that you're also able to pay attention to your body. So Let's take the next two seconds to just sit in a very comfortable position, relax. um, Whatever that might look like for you, whether you're laying down, you're sitting up, you get on your knees. I mean, it just whatever works for you. Uh, Now that you've adjusted, that you feel comfortable, you need to take a very deep breath. When I say deep breath, you want to feel your upper part of your body, your chest expand. And then you want to let it out through your mouth. Um, If you do it on your stomach, you're going to notice the difference. So you want to make sure that when you're breathing, it goes up to your chest. Deep breath. You hold it. And then you let it out through your mouth. And you're going to continue doing that as I speak. Um, Breathe in. And I need you to now pay attention to your feet. Pay attention to your calves. Pay attention to your thighs. How do they feel? Where are they? How are they positioned? Are they tight? Are they relaxed? If you need to wiggle your toes or move your legs a little bit to just kind of make sure they're there, feel free to do so. Make sure you're continuing breathing. Breathe in, breathe out. Whatever stress you might feel on your legs, Allow it to flow to your upper body. So you're going to picture this like stream of energy moving up. Now you're going to pay attention to your hands. Pay attention to your arms and your shoulders. Feel where they're at. What position are they in? You can touch them. You can stretch them. You can tighten them just to make sure they're there. You can wiggle your fingers if you want to. You're gonna allow that energy that is going through your arms and your hands to move to your upper body. The same way that you felt it on your legs, you're gonna feel it on your arms. Now you're carrying all the stress and all the worries on your upper body. Now you're moving over to your head, your neck, your shoulders, all of that area if you need to move it wiggle your head a little bit, stretch, continue to breathe as you do this, make sure you're feeling all of that muscle tension and you're moving it and directing it again to your upper body, the chest area. You should kind of have this image in your brain of like this big ball of energy on your chest, whatever that might look like for you. And now you're going to use your breath to get it out of your body. right, so breathe in, grab all of that energy in a ball, put it on your throat, and breathe it out. Do it again so it leaves your body. And out. One more time. In, out. And this will help you get centered, figure out where you are, pay attention to your surroundings. Now your heart is open, your energy is in a positive place, and we can start the difficult conversation.
0: Thank you. That was really good. I like that. I hope you guys followed along with Dulce and that little grounding mindfulness short exercise. That is very, very helpful. I really like depicting
1: stuff. I'm a I'm an image person. Yeah. So when I see the energy, I, I feel like I have more control. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. So let's talk about, again, like we said, the topic of suicide tends to be a very taboo, very difficult conversation to have. Um, one of the reasons why, like we said at the beginning, wanted to bring that, conversation to this space is because we want to finally address that elephant in the room that everybody keeps tiptoeing around, walking on eggshells, not wanting to talk about it. It's very hard to acknowledge it, to talk about it, to know how to address address it. So uh, we want to take the opportunity here in this space for that. Um, One of the reasons I think a lot of people feel very uncomfortable having this conversation is because there's this misconception that if we talk about it, we're going to put it on the person's head. You're going to put it in their head, and now it's an option. I often hear that in the mental health field with parents and relatives of, 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 mm-hmm. of clients that I work with. They're like, oh, I don't want to. They're like, even the word, like calling it what it is, makes them really uncomfortable because they don't want to plant that seed.
1: Right. Push them to a little bit further, right?
0: Yeah. Almost as if saying it verbally, now you're speaking it into existence and it's going to happen. That is a a big misconception that keeps reinforcing this mentality of let's not talk about it.
1: Right. Well, and your words have meaning, right? And so I think there's this like, oh, if I say it, it's there and now I have to address it. And there's kind of like this fear I don't know what to Mm -hmm. do when they say that. I think we also hear, and, and just saying this sentence is so cringy to me, like, this is hard for me to even verbalize, but when I hear the word attention-seeking,
0: mm-hmm. I mean,
1: it literally makes my eye twitch, like, I cannot deal with that. Uh, when we hear, oh, they're seeking attention, that's why they're saying that. Oh, mm. they want... They're being dramatic. They're being dramatic. They want this. And we're saying they... Because currently neither Tanya or I are experiencing suicidal ideation. Right. Not that we're separating
0: ourselves, from, ourselves, that, ourselves yeah.
1: from that. It's just that right now in this moment, we can't say we.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: because we are not in that space. Um, but the attention-seeking label, I think it's pretty common. Mm-hmm. Um, especially when children or adults, anybody, any, anybody who has suicidal ideation might have engaged in lying... Or any kind of manipulative behavior, uh, once they start talking about suicide, sometimes it gets dismissed as, oh, they're just doing another manipulation tactic or they're just trying to grab my attention because they don't know how else to do it anymore or
0: whatever that might look like. Right. I think that also goes along with sometimes, and again, we're going to keep using the word day, but when people are feeling suicidal or they have a mental illness that they have learned somehow to manage in a very effective manner they can be considered what's what we call sometimes high functioning and we see it as quote unquote normal so the moment that they do feel the suicidal ideation we can label it as faking it, right? They're faking it, That going back to that attention-seeking. they always looked normal. Yeah, they she's so normal. normal. Why does she mean she's, like, suicidal? Like, she probably just wants attention. And it's like, well, well how do we know? Maybe this is a very high-functioning person, right? Yeah. And it's a it's a very difficult day. But again, that whole faking it, attention-seeking, they're normal, this is just attention-seeking, continues to reinforce that mentality.
1: Right. I think there's also this, like, idea that if you function you're well like functioning equates well-being and that's not that's not it at all especially no. in our society where being functional is like an expectation mm-hmm. like if you're not functional then something's wrong with you a majority of times for me especially as a therapist when i have fi- high functioning suicidal ideation that becomes even a little bit more scary because they're able to hide it better than a person who's more outward, Mm -hmm. who's like, you know, sleeping in 20 hours a day, not eating right, you know, where you see these behaviors in your face. Whereas high-functioning, they're able to kind of quote-unquote hide it better. And I'm saying quote-unquote because there's no such thing, but the behaviors are not in your face. So it can be kind of like unexpected mm-hmm. again air quotes unexpected right because they when, decided to end their life in that manner
0: and when we talk about suicide sometimes we people we talk about like the 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 red flags or the warning signs and for someone that is high functioning we might not see some of those signs right right and then they again we go into that labeling of oh they're normal quote unquote quote unquote right or they
1: they were faking it i thought they were just playing right I think the other big piece is culture. Um, In this episode, we're not going as deep as you usually go in culture and our experiences. We're just giving a little dose, (laughs) a little sprinkle of culture in here, just because that's going to take like an extra half hour that we don't want to spend on culture um, because there's other factors that I think are important for us to talk about. But in our experience, especially me as a Mexican, you know, all of these problems need to be a stay at home and they don't need to be put out in public and there's a lot of shame and guilt and, and um, selfishness attached to the stigma of suicide. And so uh, we don't need to be talking about these things because
0: you should have the strength to deal with it. Um, right. Culture and it plays a huge part. Mm-hmm. On and I think on the past two episodes or something, we we, we made reference to that, like the honor of the family. Mm -hmm. Right. And and someone being suicidal brings a lot of dishonor dishonor to the family and shame. And I'm a bad mom if one of my kids is feeling suicidal. But it is a a big cultural piece. And like you said, we're not going to spend that much time on it. But please do understand that it does play a big role into someone being able to seek help, someone being willing to talk about it the way that they address it, the way that they view it, the way that they feel about it. Culture is a big, big, big piece on that. Yeah,
1: and I think it takes a lot of, like, interception to say, well, I'm a mom of a a person who is thinking of suicide, and my culture tells me this is wrong, but my kid needs me, so F my culture. Like, I think we need to put on those glasses when we're talking about suicide. Like, we really... As much as we respect our culture and everything that, that is there, we sometimes have to get into these spaces where we really have to question, is what my culture teaching me accurate? And in this, that's why we're not spending so much time in culture right now because this is a life and death situation. Literally. So, yeah. Literally. So I, I can give two Fs about culture at this point because <laughs> I really want to worry
0: about the safety of whoever is experiencing this right um, I think with that also in, in that same almost category of culture is religion right? and right. again in, in our culture Mexicans, Latinos religion tends to play this is generalizing but tends to play a big role in our upbringing, our environment, our culture so something that we very often hear from religion is that God is going to punish you if, if you, you do if you by die by suicide it's like a big sin, and we want to stay away from it. And you're going to hell if you do this, right? Like God is not gonna let you into heaven, if right? You commit Can
1: you? We were discussing earlier where that comes. Oh from. yeah. Do yeah. you mind bringing up that? So I didn't know this, guys. I am actually a Roman Catholic. Right. Me too. Um, I've been since, and I'm like the the over the counter Roman Catholic, <laughs> like not the legit. <laughs>
0: Not the one not where you did a script, like, no, the over-the-counter no, version. Over the, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like The chapita. I like that. <laughs> I'm going to start using that. Like, superficial. Yeah, like
1: I'm not literally going yeah. to church every Sunday. I yeah, same I here. don't like arguing about the Bible because I haven't read it myself. Right. And I feel so <laughs> stupid talking about something that I haven't read myself. Um
0: but, but what, i believe in it yeah. my daughter's
1: baptized i am baptized first communion the whole nine yards confirmation Ooh, everything um mm-hmm. and i do go to church and i do like to confess every so often Pray. don't and judge me um but you were you were reading into history and right. where suicide kind of the the shame and the guilt and the criminalization of suicide comes from right and you well, came and, into this awesome fact
0: and with that being said Like, I really want to make that caveat in there. Like, we are not, I have not read the whole Bible. So if anybody out there listening to this has read the Bible and has a different understanding and perspective of this, take it with a grain of salt. But I was doing some research on this for this topic and just kind of reading about the history and more so on the criminalization of suicide in the past. But I learned that the reason why when it comes to religion, it became a sin was because the Romans made it into a sin against God because of slavery. So at the end of the day, it was a political situation. uh, uh, What's it called? Economic uh, situation because a lot of the slaves were committing suicide because the conditions that they were living under, and they were committing suicide, so they were losing a lot of slaves. So they say like, hey don't do that because god is going to punish you but it wasn't because of the bible it wasn't because nothing in there said that it was a sin but because they were losing slaves and And, it was affecting their financial and they were losing slaves so they're like yo let's turn it into something that people don't want to do
1: yeah and and this is information that we read on a scholarly article right we didn't look it up on wikipedia and agreed with everything
0: no it was like Like, this is a
1: legit journal historian 2018 I think was dated yeah published journal and and so and and it was really interesting because it also talked about the death of Socrates and Pluto 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 I don't know how to say his name Mm -hmm. um and it was talking about how their deaths by suicide were respected because they were honorable and Mm -hmm. blah 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 but they had like all these different like this is why we're not shaming them but here, these poor, this poor people that right. are considered property, we are shaming you because you're my property and you're devaluing my value. Like, mm-hmm.
0: So it, it, just, it, it just goes just to show how, blow my mind, historically things typically get moved around depending on who's in power, what purpose it's serving, the lens that they're looking at things through, fitting their narrative. So again, look at 2020, how we still consider suicide sometimes in religion a sin and, and very shameful place to be at but then it could again i haven't read the bible fully we're not being objective about but, it we're being super subjective about it right like, But it's, our but knowing this information opens your eyes to a different like huh i never thought about it in that way right yeah. right like when you brought it up today i was like holy crap like this whole time i was like
1: god forgive me
0: right like because
1: i am about to to something that I shouldn't and, and there might be history behind that mm-hmm. that might have affected because they did quote the exact piece on the bible right That the
0: I believe so it, and I can't it I, said, I closed it guys yeah. so I'm sorry I can't go back to reference it but so there
1: is pieces there might be pieces in the bible that specifically say that but um, I guess the focus of the article is they use those specific pieces to create politically a criminalization of this act so if the person attempted to die by suicide or they tried to t- die by suicide and they weren't able to then they would be criminalized like I, we even read right. that like they got their hand chopped off
0: or something mm-hmm. insane like it was, it it, was intense it, yeah it is intense and in, and in, and in some countries some, some countries still, it still is yeah i was gonna say that um in some countries still suicide is is a crime it is considered a criminal offense and and you get punished if you don't die by suicide.
1: Well, and if you ask the doctor to help you,
0: right? Um, Assist suicide? assisted
1: suicide. Yeah, they can also get criminal charges in some states. I heard it was um, legal, but right. I don't know. I don't exactly know which ones where, you guys can Google, yeah, we But
0: we do have some. Um,
1: I think um, one of the things that I've really read or heard. Um, I love listening to like criminal podcasts, like crime and killers and all this stuff and one of the things that i hear a lot in these podcasts if the criminal got away right they did like a horrible crime and they somehow escaped and then they died by suicide i usually hear oh they're taking the easy way out Mm. that's Mm. their way of like diverting from the punishment you know or that's their way the coward the cowardly way of leaving and I, i know that there is like cowardness and shame into crime, I, I think that there's a level where we do have to shame him and put some negative light on the, crim- on the crimes completed. But when we say things like this is the easy way out, we are really taking away from people
0: who have died by suicide. And genuine and- struggles that they really had this battle their whole life. Right. Like right. a mental illness. And then someone in the news does something like that and then this gets thrown around just like very like casually yeah like oh they took the easy way out and then what about someone that's been battling this for years and years and years right what is what is it again we're talking about why this is still considered taboo in 2020 and why it's difficult to talk about these are some of the reasons why right i think for me one of the big ones too is when we talk about because again we think suicide our brain immediately goes PTSD, military, right? Mm -hmm. And to me, that concept of that moral injury for people, for veterans and people that have been in combat and coming back home, it's such a contradiction because we're training them, we're telling them, go this, go fight, which war at the end of the day, it's about killing, right? Let's call it what it is. And then we send them to these other countries to kill people, and then they have to, to live with maybe this, get killed, right, or see their brothers get killed and blown up in pieces in front of them, and then they come back home here, and we expect them to just be okay. And the moment that they do struggle with suicidal ideation or thoughts or anything like that, now we shame them because, like, right. well, really, you're military and you have to, supposed to be strong, and da 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 da. Toughen it up. So no. we, we we ask them to die for our freedom, yet when they're thinking about killing themselves because of this heavy stuff that they're carrying, now there's a lot of shame and and, and, and guilt and stigma attached to that. Yeah, And there's, let me, I'm going to take a few
1: seconds to just address this. When we talk about suicide, it's really hard for us to stay away from, like, the appropriate verbiage. Right. Like, we are encouraging you guys to stay away from words like attempted suicide, committed suicide... Completed suicide, killed themselves, or kill myself. Um, and the reason why I'm saying this is because we've probably said it already. Right. Just because it's second nature, that's what we hear. But what we're trying to move towards is die by suicide. The reason for that is because in the word killing themselves, we are using criminalization. Right. Killing, killing. is like a very violent... I think of killing and the first thing I think about is a gun or, or a knife. Like murder. Murder, Right. right. Um, But when you say, like, completed, it kind of feels like it's a task. Like, complete, I did it. Check. Yeah. Um, Committed, again, committed murder, right? Like, you use these words when you're trying to criminalize a thing or attempt it. Um, These are all, like, quote-unquote technical words that have been used. um, And we're trying to really stay away from using that verbiage and moving into die by suicide. But, again... Like I said in the beginning, this is a very raw moment for us. We mm-hmm. are very uncomfortable, so we're trying our best to stay away from it. But we continue to use it because that's that's what we're used to saying. Right. I mean, and Again. people will say that, like, mm. I want to kill myself. and right. You're not going to sit there and be like, actually, you don't want to say kill yourself. You want to say... die by suicide suicide. Uh, we want to stay away from that but
0: and i think but I, i think it goes to show how like in our culture this is what we've been drilled from day one and even us as mental health professionals we're still struggling with that and it's again this is a very honest conversation and at the end of the day i think the biggest piece and we often talk about this in this space it's about intent right this is you're learning you're being vulnerable you're going to have this thing. So if you find yourself having a conversation with someone about suicide and you use the word commit suicide, attempted at suicide, don't be so hard on yourself. You're, you're learning. You're willing. Kudos for being willing to have that conversation. Right.
1: right. So we wanted to go over statistics really quick. These were the ones that stood out for us the,
0: the most. Right. And we just want to highlight those just to, again, bring awareness to how still is very, uh, very prevalent. Common, Situation here in this country in the in a first world country, this kind of the u s uh, it is a public health uh, concern right absolutely,
1: now. so this one is really like dear to my heart, leading cause of death in new moms
0: yeah, we talked about in motherhood yeah. about how challenging it is that transition your loss of identity and da 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 and again the hormonal changes and everything that we 've covered before. It, to me, too, reading this one, I was like, really? Like, oh, It's like, just sad, right? Uh, yeah, and it, and this isn't, like, shaming, like, oh, really? You're going to? But no, it's no. like, damn, like, the Like, fact what are that, we doing as a what society? What are we doing, yeah.
1: Like, literally, we say it takes a village to raise a child from why are these moms so the isolated who... that they're that's that's what they're looking at as their way out like it just oh my god my heart like that's an option yeah.
0: hurts when
1: i mm-hmm. saw this one
0: yeah it's also the 10th leading cause of death in the u.s and this is all ages number 10
1: all ages even little
0: ones yeah Men from children. like young children to older adult this is the 10th reason why people die in the United States by suicide right in 20
1: to 25 percent of Americans ages 18 plus are affected by depression and the only reason why I wanted to bring that up is because depression is one of the leading causes but it's not the only cause I feel like people a lot a lot of times assume that um uh, suicide Mm -hmm. equals depression and that's not the case that's not the case. So since we are there, I think there's a great way segue to our topic, mental health. How does mental health have to do with suicide? And we, I think one of our very first initial episodes, on our first episode a long, long time ago, um, we were talking about mental health. And mm-hmm. we just kind of wanted to like go back to that conversation again because it's super important to understand mental health. Um, we want to talk about biological illnesses and disorders when we say mental health we are talking about mental illness mental illnesses we're talking about disorders we're talking about scientifically proven misconnections in the brain lack of good chemicals chemical imbalances yes that are not allowing the brain to process things in a certain manner this could be that you were born with it and it's it's kind of genetic genetic thing it could be a life experience like trauma Mm -hmm. it could be just anything that was you know passed down in your family if your parents have a bio like um I was going to say biological. That's not what I mean. Bipolar or ADHD or anything like that. Like the likelihood of you having it is very high. And so this might be a chemical imbalance that's already in your brain.
0: Mm-hmm. In, and your, in your DNA. So when we talk about suicide and and why people might resort to that as an option or why people do it or why it's still a lot of stigma around it, we want to make sure that this Piece is very clear that sometimes it's not so much of a choice or an option or something it's that I choose, choice, right? Yeah. It really isn't. It typically, when it comes to biological, chemical imbalances in your brain, there is absolutely nothing that I can control about that other than, of course, seeking help, taking my medication, being consistent with therapy and all those wonderful things that help and make a difference. But if it's something in my brain That piece where people shame me and point fingers and and call me attention-seeking, it is completely... It's kind of like telling a diabetic,
1: like, you chose to be a diabetic. Like, you're just attention-seeking because your Your sugar is low. low. (laughs) Like, and I laugh because that just sounds so ridiculous. Yeah. Like, who in here has the balls to tell a person who's, like, putting on insulin, like, don't put on insulin. It's a choice. You're strong. Like, uh, no, dude, I'm gonna die if I don't get spit over it. Over it. <laughs> yeah. Like, it just sounds so ridiculous to me. But that's literally the same ridiculous space that we feel when we tell somebody who's having suicidal ideation, you'll get over it. You'll be fine. You just have to push through it. Push through it. Mm-hmm. I, I think I also wanna bring light to the power of therapy and medication. Um, When we go to therapy, when we engage in exercises like mindfulness, yoga, you know, all of these different outlets out there, we are actually changing our brain chemistry, right? Remember the happiness episode, the Mm -hmm. dose? Um, We were talking about things that you can do to kind of like get that dose, right? And so going to therapy actually does, there are studies changing, uh, showing that that relationship that you create with your therapist that saves space and even rechanging or reframing the way that you look at something creates new neural pathways. Like your neurons start connecting in a different manner mm-hmm. and really shifts the way that your chemicals are being imbalanced. But if it's something where it's a life and death situation, No shame, you need medication, and that's okay. Um, this is a very touchy subject for me. Um, and I didn't want to do disclosure right at the beginning of the of the podcast, at the episode. Obviously, I'm nervous because I'm like stuttering. Um, but I'm a survivor of suicide, and I dreaded doing this episode because I'm a survivor. Um, but I'm telling you. I needed the medication. Like, I um, tried dying by suicide more than three times um, before my daughter was born. And I can tell you that as hard as I tried to get back on my feet, as hard as I tried going to therapy, as hard as I tried working out and hanging out with friends and doing quote-unquote positive activities, I always found myself feeling empty. And it wasn't until I actually took antidepressants uh, for about three months straight that I was able mm-hmm. to feel the difference, feel the ganas, feel the motivation. desire, or motivation to do more. Right. Um, and I'm not saying drugs are number one way for you to get out. I mean, eventually I stopped taking it um, because I felt like I was able to function without it. Um Again, going back, right? Able to function without mm-hmm. it. Yeah. And, I, and there's still times during the year, it, right now is one of those times, starting this time in my life, I get like seasonal depression, quote-unquote. I'm going to say quote-unquote because I think it's trauma-based rather than seasonal. Um, where my memories of those times I tried kind of comes back and I just feel like low energy and like the lack Mm -hmm. of motivation is there and I kind of have to hold on to my motivation a little tighter than the rest of the year
0: Mm -hmm. but that goes to show like just like you're sharing right now that the the benefit of medication every single individual is going to be different even within the same family within the same DNA right like it if we both experience depression and or any mental illness and we go to the doctor and we struggle with suicidal ideation, you might need medications and benefit from it and do great. And I might not, right? I might be okay with therapy, my support system, engaging in other activities. And that might be sustainable for me, but some people do need the medication and there's no shame in that. There is a lot of, again, there is a lot of stigma attached to also psych medications Right? Like uh, the local, like the crazy. Mm-hmm. There's that label that people throw in there. Um, but it, it, sometimes it's needed. That combination with, with the medication and therapy. It saved my life. Yeah. Like like straight up, honest, bluntly, it saved my life. Yeah.
1: Those three months of medication, the constant therapy, really, I have no other words than it saved my life. And yes, I was ashamed
0: that I was taking medication. Yes, there was a lot of guilt. But why, right? That going back to the insulin example. Right. Like the fact that if I take insulin, nobody's gonna give me any shit. And if I take an antidepressant, why is anybody else's business? And they have to give me their opinion. Right. Right? Like that why do right. we do that? Right. And and I think it's important that we
1: question that. Because back then I was I was way younger than I am now. We're talking over seven, eight years ago. Well maybe almost a decade since all of right. this. Um but I was so young, I didn't really have right. the brain to mm-hmm. say, like, well, fuck everybody. I'm just gonna do me, boo-boo. Like, no, yeah. I, I was very, like, self-conscious, and I felt like I let my family down, mm-hmm. and I let everybody else down, and how dare I feel this way Right. Um, when I've had a better life than everybody else around me. Right. But the reality of it is, there is a chemical imbalance. Mm-hmm. I know it. Now I know it. Like... Sometimes I'm talking and I'm like, oh, there's my ADHD. I had no control over what just came out of my mouth right now.
0: (laughs) Like literally. I'm sure you guys have heard that at some point in the podcast.
1: (laughs) But it has to do with my own chemical imbalance. And I'm at a higher risk. Like if I decided to start drinking every day, I guarantee you I would be an alcoholic 100% because of the chemical imbalances that are already going on in my brain. You
0: get hooked pretty easily. Oh, yeah. yeah, so, so easily. Yeah, and I think that piece that you were talking about, that motivation, how, like, you knew all these things, you tried all these things, you were trying your best, yet the change wasn't as fast or as easy or as quick or whatever as helpful. I, I, I think, again, it goes back to in the moment, right? I think sometimes we try to convince people, that are struggle with suicidal ideation, that there is a light at the end of the tunnel, that there is hope that things is going to be better tomorrow, like hang on, which, great. Again, it's coming from a great, very helpful space. And they know that, right? Oh, yeah. Like, I was I think, very aware there was a light at the right, end of the tunnel. You knew that tomorrow was going to be better. You knew that this was temporary. But in the moment, it is... That's it. That feeling gets really, really heavy. That's all they know. That's all they feel. And it is very heavy to carry that. For
1: me, um, and I don't know if this speaks to anyone else out there, but if it speaks to you, I will tell you um, things will get better. But for me, I felt like I was the thorn on everybody's side. Mm -hmm. I felt like every time that I hung out with people that I loved or that I cared about, I was always the negative Nancy. Mm -hmm. always I was sadness yeah I was sadness 100% Mm -hmm. I was oh my god like my life is so hard and I'm doing all this and I'm doing all that and I had like moments where I was happy and I was able to hang out and do positive things but then there like this darkness I can say would come in and just kind of take over and I just felt like the people that I loved, I wasn't able to help them. Like, I wasn't able to be there for them. If, if anything, I was a clutch. Mm. I was something that was preventing them from being happy. So in my mind, I was 100% sure that me not being in the planet right now was better than me being in the planet. It was the only choice. It was the only choice. And, and unfortunately, I'm going to say unfortunately, I'm using that verbiage for a reason. For me, it was my daughter that kind of brought me out of that. Because I was like, if I die, who's going to take care of her? Like, yeah. who is going to take care of Estrella? Mm-hmm. Who is going to raise her? And that was my, my command, like, you got to keep trying. You got to keep trying. And I say, unfortunately, because not everybody sees their children in that manner. Because the chemical imbalance is so radically affecting their brain mm-hmm. that it's that it even like it spreads more to, my poor child has to deal with my crazy ass,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and it like re like it reinforces the reason why right they for should. you right right mm-hmm. so I think like being able when I took medication when I went to therapy when I held on to my support system because I held on to you guys like no other. That's when I was able to say, okay, there is a light at the end of the tunnel. But I knew it was there. I could sort of see it, but I couldn't feel it, mm-hmm. you know? And it, and it wasn't until I had that support system, mm-hmm. that unconditional love, that I was able to say, okay. And, and I, I want to really highlight the word survivor. Like, the only reason why I'm alive today, it was not because I was strong or because I was courageous, or I was brave. The only reason why I'm alive today is because I had people who loved me and decided to call 911. If that call wouldn't have happened, I wouldn't be here. If I would have had a gun, if I would have been in a place where I could just jump off a bridge or jump off a building, that would have been the end of it. But because I was here in Arizona (laughs) and I had nowhere else to go I couldn't run into anything with my car. Like I knew the likelihood of me surviving was very high. Like I I took medication and the effects of medication took so long that people were able to come and save me. Mm-hmm. So like when people say, Oh, you survived suicide because you continued pushing through, well, it's not for everybody. Right. For me, it wasn't about pushing through, it was people that really worried about me and called 911 for me. But if it wasn't for that call, girl, I, you wouldn't have a podcast. <laughs> Just kidding. Again, yeah. that little laughing side, right? That kind of takes a little it bit of a It breaks the heaviness. heaviness of what you yeah. were
0: sharing, yeah. Which, I mean, I like how you really are trying to... Bring awareness to that piece that you are not strong because you, you didn't survive it because you're strong, but it was having that support system, right? And not mm-hmm. to take away from people out there that maybe have experienced this and they have survived also, right? Like, that you, they chose to yeah. on their
1: own mm-hmm. seek those support systems, right? And go, like, yes, honey, more props to you. I'm super proud of you. Keep doing it, right? But I don't want to like shine away from the people that
0: don't. I, I didn't. I didn't have the will. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And, and that's that's the piece where, that where survival and being strong and being brave. Right? It could it's, be shameful. Right. It can be because what if, if then if the person that didn't survive and their, what they refer to it as a successful suicide, right? When somebody ends up dying by suicide. I'm rolling my eyes so loud. Right. Successful. But okay. that's what we hear at the hospital, right? right. Like it was a successful suicide. Mm. <laughs> but that's what that, again, words have meaning, words have power. What does that say to someone that is struggling, is carrying this heavy ass burden on a daily basis, and then they hear about someone that was successful? Again, goes right back to that shaming. Also, I must be weak because I haven't been strong to go through, and maybe I am attention seeking, and maybe I need to shut up and not talk about it. Right. Right. It it, it takes away from that. And,
1: and what's going on with me that, mm-hmm. you know, that yeah. I wasn't able to? I, there's a lot of shame and guilt. Like, trust me, guys, when we hear the, oh, imagine how your family's going to feel. You don't think we're going to miss you. Like, we already went through that scenario over our heads. Like, we already pictured. I mean, I don't want to speak to everybody who's having suicidal ideation or a suicide plan, but in my in my perspective, I had already seen my funeral. I already knew where they were going to bury me. I already figured my mom crying. I had already wrote my notes for everybody like I already knew what was going to happen. So you coming at me and telling me, "Oh, your family's going to feel so bad." I was like, uh, I, "I already made peace with that." Right. <laughs> Let's move on. Like it a lot of the times when we're doing that convincing you were talking about, mm-hmm. it really kind of like backfires.
0: Right. Because. Like, like you, you, you mean to tell me I haven't considered that? Really? Like, you don't think in all these years that I've been struggling with this, I have considered all these other options. And this is the one that seems feasible and, feasible and reasonable right now. All right. Right? Like it, I mean, again, it comes probably most likely it is coming from a very good, helpful space. But sometimes that can hurt people. And,
1: And I think like it's so important to know that when we ask for help it took every single cell in our bodies. Like I wasn't going through a very good space a few months ago and I literally texted Tanya and I said hey dude I'm not doing well. Like literally that was my text. Dude I'm not doing well. It took every fiber of my body to text that. I think I like texted it like three times and deleted it texted it again and deleted it Mm -hmm. so when somebody comes in and says hey i'm i don't feel safe with myself Mm -hmm. i don't feel good something's not right it takes a lot for them to say i need help right especially if it's a person that has been functional for so long if it's like your typical straight a student who has a lot of friends or maybe wasn't cheer or was This or maybe your typical awkward person, but they they've always somehow made it or the the clown Mm -hmm. like and they come at you for help. Like they're literally putting their pride at the bottom of their feet Mm -hmm. because now my ego is no longer able to keep me safe. So I need somebody else to do that. And it just feels so yucky to be in that space. So imagine like using all of that strength to ask for help and then the response you get is like have you thought about your family oh my god <laughs> it makes me never blocked your ass is canceled this year i i just wouldn't want to come back and ask you for help again
0: right imagine that like it's hearing you say that i'm thinking like for every time that you have reached out for help and you have been vulnerable and said like yo let me put my pride over here to the side and ask for help how many times like just listening to this out there think about if anybody has ever reached out to you and said something a friend and maybe not to the extent of suicide but anyone reaching out for help right I wonder, like how many times have they d- done the whole it and then delete, delete. and then did it and then delete, right? So keep that in mind next time somebody reaches out to you for help. And again, we don't expect you guys listening out there. We ourselves are not perfect when we come to when it comes to like responding and reacting to hearing something like that. But just keep in mind that how what it took, what this person must have been going through to be finally be able to be vulnerable and say I need help
1: and hit the send button Mm -hmm. yeah I think it's also important to figure out safe spaces like maybe for you for anybody who hasn't had suicidal ideation um, they have a place where they can just let it all out right like whether it's your bathroom or your room or the basement or I don't know whatever it is Mm -hmm. you have a space where you can just cry it all out And be like, all right, I'm going to grab my ego and my pride and I'm going to go to work tomorrow and it's going to be a new day. But sometimes people who have suicidal ideation don't have that safe space. They are Mm -hmm. constantly on red, Constantly on red. Even if they physically Mm -hmm. might have the safe space, they might have their family members outside waiting
0: for them or talking all this crap. I was going to say that. Like, how could... Imagine my safe space, I come home and I open up to my parents about this as a teenager and all they hear is attention seeking. Well, you're being dramatic, you're overreacting. You're
1: manipulating again.
0: What do you want? My safe space should be my culture, my family, my home, where I'm finally able to just like be who I am and express my needs and let everybody know where I'm at and how I'm feeling. And if that's the reaction...
1: Well, or imagine um, this happened to me a lot. I, I, I lived alone for a long time. But like my alone space, my apartment with my room and my kitchen turned out to be my unsafe space because these were the spaces where I tried to suicide. Mm-hmm. So when I walked into my room, it was like a reminder. Whenever I would walk into my apartment, right. it was like a reminder of the times where I was so dysregulated. It was a reminder of the times where I took this or I did that,
0: mm-hmm. you know,
1: and like literally like the space in itself would remind me of all this shame and this guilt. And then I would just get into this like circle. Right. So then I would end up texting my comadre <laughs> and be like, I'm coming over. <laughs> I don't care what you're doing because her house was safer than my own house. Right. And there wasn't yeah. even anybody there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just... an empty apartment. Like I And there's guilt in that too because I should have been living the dream. I was getting my master's. I was independent. I had a good job. Like I had all these materialistic checkbox, right, things.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Why am I feeling like this? Why am I being ungrateful? Mm-hmm. Why am I not happy that I live in this space, that I created my space?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So,
1: guys, when people come and ask for help, trust me, they've already thought about all this. <laughs> they've yep. already gone through the whole circle
0: mm-hmm.
1: of why, yeah. why, 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 why. Again,
0: why me, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And sometimes it's not so much the reaction that your loved ones or your circle or your support system might have, but sometimes it's an internal thing that you don't want to burden them. You don't want to worry them with that. It, it's a Especially if you have very close relationships with people that really care and love you it's a heavy thing to put that out there and say like, Hey, I'm feeling like I want to die. Like I, I can only imagine how hard that is. Like saying that to your mother, to your sister, to your father, to your significant other, right? The person that you love the most coming and putting that on their plate sometimes can oh, be, yeah.
1: I like, I still sometimes mm-hmm. hear my mom's crying, mm-hmm. like when right? I'm not feeling well Yeah, and like these, ideas come back. Like, even you talking about it right now, it's like triggering those memories. Right. And I have a very clear memory, sound memory
0: of my mom crying when right. I told her I was going to mm-hmm. die. But these are, this are the reasons why people might not seek help, why they don't reach out. Right. It, it's not only how people might react, but also I don't want to bur- burden them with my issues. Right. Do you...
1: I, I really want to jump into the do's and don'ts mm-hmm. because we're talking about kind of like what happens, what does it look like?
0: So speaking of how we don't want to burden others with our issues or we don't want them to worry about us, let's talk about maybe as a support system, how what is the most appropriate, helpful way to, support someone that's going through this
1: okay almost
0: almost like do's and don'ts and again it's not as black and white as just saying it because we're human and there is a lot of emotion that comes with hearing someone that you love saying these words so keep that in mind but these are maybe some things that we could do to be more helpful throughout this process if someone that you know is struggling with this i think one of the big ones Like we said, it does come from a very helpful place, and we try to convince them that there is light at the end of the tunnel. But let's try our best to stay away from being very passive-aggressive about it and that shaming that we were talking about, right? The, the like, think about your mom, think about your dad, think about X, Y, and Z, right? Yeah. That's very, like, passive-aggressive. Or,
1: Or I think when you say passive-aggressive, I think of the, well if you would have asked for help when i told you to maybe Mm. you wouldn't be here right now Mm. or you know like right could you have been more grateful (laughs) with everything that's going on like and it's i'm saying this because it sounds like a tyrant thing to say like who says that but people really do come with positive intent and say things like that they they try to
0: remind you like but Tanya, you have a great life. Like you have a house and you have a family that loves you. And like, like, where is this coming from? I don't know.
1: If I knew, I would have fixed it already, lady. <laughs> but yeah. it really staying away from the should could would. Like, should, could, and would are things that no longer exist. You can't should do something. Don't shoot on people. You can't could do something. You can't would do something. That these are verbs that don't exist. They're hyper something hypothetical out in the universe. It's a lot of pressure. Yeah, like you should be grateful that you have all of this or you could have done this when I told you to
0: or if I was you, I would blah, blah, blah. But both things can be true. I can be grateful and still be suicidal. Right. Right? Like I I love my life but again, talking about that chemical imbalance, it's outside of my control. Yeah. I mean physically, like me going And if I could do something, I would have already done it. That's why I'm coming
1: to you for help, because mm-hmm. if I could do something, I would be dead. Mm-hmm. I can't right now because there's a lot going on in my brain that doesn't allow me to do it. And here I am with you. So giving me options of what I could, should have, would have done, it's not gonna be helpful. Right. Um. Bribery. Like, well, if you, if you, please try therapy. No, I don't want to try therapy. This is very uncomfortable. Like, even telling you that I'm I'm thinking these things. And one thing I do want to say before I forget. um, Just because someone has morbid thoughts or is thinking about suicide doesn't mean they want to suicide. What? (sighs) Crash. Mind blown. I'm going to repeat it again. I'm going to say it louder for the people in the back. Just because you have morbid thoughts... Or suicide thoughts doesn't mean you want to die by suicide. What? Sometimes people have such a horrible time with whatever it is they're experiencing. Or just their brain is not there. Like people who have schizophrenia and are hearing voices, right? Or people who might be experiencing bipolar disorder or depression. They fantasize sometimes about getting in a car crash and dying Dying, or thinking of how sweet it would be to be in rest and peace forever for their voices or their thoughts to stop a PTSD veteran, Mm -hmm. right? That might be having flashbacks. Imagine experiencing that 20, 30 times a day. Like, I would go crazy, man. Like, I would, how can I make this stop? Mm -hmm. and that's the only alternative and blowing my brains might be the only way that i'm gonna make it stop and so they might talk about it they might say like oh man like a gun on my hand right now would be great and it doesn't necessarily mean that they're gonna go and grab their gun and kill themselves Uh, again kill themselves and they might try to die by suicide or they might suicide um They might just be going through a very morbid time. So the fact that they're talking about it, that they're opening up and having this Mm -hmm. conversation is a plus. Right. Yes, freak out because duh, this is a very sensitive subject. But also be grateful that they have the trust and the relationship with you to be able, not be grateful, but let's be, have some comfort in knowing that they trust you enough to give you this information and to process it with
0: you, right? Mm -hmm. Um. I think a big don't uh, when we talk about like suicide, it's the joking. I think in our culture we've come to this space where it be- we're very desensitized to it, and because of media, social media, movies, and everything, and just the culture, it's very um, sarcastic culture, and I'm guilty as charge of that. But it it has to a point of being very desensitized where people on social media post about it. On a regular basis. Yeah, like, like I want to die. Like, oh, I want to kill myself. Yeah, the bullying piece of, like, go kill yourself, but also ourselves, too, right? Like, oh, like, what's wrong? Like, oh, I just want to die right now. Like, I just want to... Like, right? It, it yeah. loses power by people, like, just joking Or when about you're, like, it. laughing so hard and you say, death, I'm dead, man. I'm, de- oh, I'm dead. Oh, that's a very, it's like... like thing right now like kids now nowadays like oh dead yeah. like they literally put the little emoji with the dead <laughs> um, but people do that right like oh do you need anything right now a gun will be nice like and imagine me just joking very light hearted about that in front of someone that is truly genuinely struggling with this and then somebody says like hey Tanya what do you need and I'm like a gun to my head please I have to write 700 monthly reports for work like a uh, gun to your head yeah. me too Right. Like right. but but again, I think that's a big don't if you can do something at your own little individual level, could be that, just being mindful of how the words were used. The using. words that we use and joking about things yeah. like that. And it's not about being PC or like too sensitive, but some things are very like sensitive. Black and white as far as like sensitivity. And yeah. you probably shouldn't joke about something like that.
1: And it's dismissive. Right. Joking about stuff like that is very dismissive. And mm-hmm. when somebody says, like, oh, like, you know, I'm really thinking about how sweet it would be for one day my car just to blow up while I'm driving it. You know, something along the lines or sometimes it, uh, in littles I hear a lot of, like, I wish I could be with my grandma, right, in grandma's death. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you say, "Hi, that's just a dream. You know, you have so much ahead of you. Don't mm-hmm. even worry about that. Yeah. That's dismissive, guys. That's dismissive. You have to acknowledge what they're telling you. Mm-hmm. Like, just sitting in that moment and being like, what, what do you mean by that? Well, I'm not really happy. I mean, mm-hmm. something's going on if you want to be with grandma because grandma's not even here, right?
0: Mm-hmm. Like,
1: just, it's just acknowledging. Majority of the time, people just want to be
0: heard. Right. Or, or, or the shaming, right? Like, when you hear something about someone and you're like, oh, that one crazy cousin, she wants to die again. She's back on her roll, like... Back on the roller coaster of like, look at me, I'm suicidal. We tend to again joke uh, about that, and it comes across as very dismissing, shaming, shaming. just not or disappointment, attention. right? Like I'm th- so
1: disappointed in you.
0: Oh my god. Oh, that that sh- the whole shaming back to religion that we were talking about, right? Like somebody yeah. comes to you, and then you hit him with the, but God is gonna be mad at you. God is gonna punish you. You're not gonna go to or, heaven.
1: Or oh, your parents have done so many sacrifices for you and this is how you pay them? Ooh. Ooh. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a heavy one, but mm-hmm. I've heard it. Yeah? I've mm-hmm. heard it. Yeah. Um, so what are some of the positives, right? Like we're kind of going over the don'ts, quote unquote. What would be more of like the things that we can do?
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I think, I mean, as a society, again, we've been referring to this conversation as a very, complex systemic issue that is a public health concern that everyone should really take seriously and care about so a big one would be of course access to mental health nothing that you or I can do at an individual you level can if you vote other than advocating and raising awareness and voting and getting involved in policies and stuff like that but I think at an individual level it's it starts with creating a culture where people feel safe talking about this mm-hmm. Creating homes, families, spaces, environments, cultures where it's okay to come and tell me about how you're feeling. We're not going to shame you. We're not going to guilt trip you. We're not going to say that you're overreacting or say that you're attention-seeking. Creating a house, a family, a space, connection with people where people see hope. For the future. And can see those things. And they can
1: start as little as a toddler. When a toddler is crying. And they're having a little mm, emotional craziness. Sometimes it might be that they're just a toddler. And life is hard. But other times it's really like. Sitting down and listening to what they're saying. Because Mm -hmm. if you're able to show your toddler. That you listen to what they're saying. They grow up knowing that mom is going to listen to what they're saying. Right.
0: Or even in a, whatever's age appropriate, right? I, I hear this often how parents are can be very dismissive. And I'm not a parent, like I always say, so forgive me if I'm overstepping my boundaries. So I don't know what I'm talking about here. You're a therapist. Yes, you do know what you're talking about. <laughs> but like when, when I, I hear it often, the parents are like, oh, really? Like that's the biggest of your concerns right now, TikTok. At this stage of their life, this is as far as their brain goes. This is their a big deal. This is my reality. This is important. This is what matters. So it's very easy in that space to get in that space of like, you're overreacting, you're being dramatic, you're attention seeking, right? For little quote unquote things. And then when something real happens where they need the help, we've built this well, um, what's it, culture of not talking or shaming or dismissing.
1: Right. Well, then this is a really quick way to help your child regulate when they're like that, right? So I I am a mom and I have tried these with my kid various times. Doesn't always happen. Depends a lot of where I'm at. but majority of the time, we'll say her tablet died and she's hungry, right? This is a a real seven-year-old problem, guys. Mm -hmm. My tablet died. I don't know where the charger is and I'm hungry. Like two basic needs, I know tablets are not basic needs, but this is a great way to reframe what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Crying, right? In my brain, I'm like, oh, that's that's a little seven-year-old issue. Right. It Whatever. It can be easy to dismiss. Right. Yeah. Like, girl, what you crying about? I can't eat. What What you mean? You know, there's stuff wait, in the fridge. Wait
0: till you, can, you have to pay rent.
1: <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Like, that's where my brain goes because I'm an adult. But a really good way of, of kind of giving you guys feedback is I hear you. You're very overwhelmed because you're hungry and because your tablet died. Yes, my tablet died. Let's find a charger and then if we can plug it in, then it'll charge and then you'll be able to watch your show. In the meantime, what if we grab a snack? Boom, like you just turned into the baddest superhero mom ever. (laughs) Like What, we can look up for
0: a charger and find a snack? Like.
1: Literally didn't. Yeah, they just got solved by you. So when they get older, they say, Oh, I can tell my mom that I'm having these really morbid thoughts, and she's probably going to come up with some sort of solution because she's always come up with some sort of solution. Right. And and if that solution means
0: going to a professional, then that's the solution. Mom might not have the answers, but she knows where to go for them. Right.
1: And Mm -hmm. I trust her because she definitely gave me a snack when I was hungry. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it just, it, it, has a lot to do with that dismissive piece of understanding what are the needs and how do you help them and -hmm. the same thing happens with people who are having those ideation like what do you need that that's so helpful for me when you say what do you need from me Mm -hmm. because that really puts a lot of perspective in me and what i'm asking Mm -hmm. and sometimes it might mean like dude we need to go hang out like tomorrow i need to go to x restaurant and have my bottle of wine you know mm-hmm. or hey i need you home with me because i don't feel safe right now mm-hmm. you know it might not mean that you're gonna have to call 9 or you have to call crisis or anything like that it might just mean that you're gonna have to spend your day at the house mm-hmm. with them and maybe you might not be able to but is there someone else who will who is able to right yeah who are willing to
0: and sometimes the person again this is a very individual situation but sometimes the person that on itself that what do you need might be too overwhelming right because clearly they they don't know what they need they can't figure it out so even me asking someone what do you need right now is like that could be that what sends them over the edge we're like well shit, i don't even know what i need and ah, and it's like a big old full-on crisis on top of their what they were feeling already so sometimes it's us taking that initiative Again, of, of course, you clearly probably have a connection in and in a relationship with this person, but knowing, like, hey, I'm coming over, I'm bringing your favorite ice cream, we're gonna watch a movie, yeah. right? That's it. I'm not even putting it on you to decide what you need. Yeah, I want to come over, I'm bringing ice cream, and we're gonna watch a movie, and you're gonna shut up, yeah, or but we're gonna next cry day together, you had
1: right? Cookies. Like, you brought mm, cookies to my house yeah. last time I said that I was then doing well. and wine. You showed up with wine and cookies, <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I remember now this is true, yeah, Secret, but. It, Those were the acts of kindness that really got me through really hard spaces. Mm -hmm. Uh, Not that this last time wasn't hard, but it it wasn't as extreme as other times where my life was in danger. But it's that, I I really want to focus on the relationship.
0: Mm -hmm. Like
1: it's that
0: relationship. When it comes to what can you do, be the one person for the person that needs you. Right. Right you could be the deciding factor or the one that makes a difference and not that it's your responsibility because that puts a lot of pressure on the person if it ends up not being an ideal situation I and mean, someone dies but sometimes it is about building that connection and being there for someone
1: yeah yeah and and even having that relationship sometimes you might have to call crisis you might have to call
0: 911
1: 911 mm-hmm. you might have to call the national suicide Li- prevention lifeline but if you have that relationship, you can easily say, it's because I love you and I care about you that I'm making this call.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: At this point, I don't care that you're angry at me because mm-hmm. I know you're safe. Right. You know? And I was angry. The people that called 911 during that time, I, I was angry. I felt very betrayed. But now that I'm in a better place, I'm like, oh my God, I'm so grateful because mm-hmm. if not, I wouldn't be here right, right. now. I think, like, I really want to talk about the verbiage we use. If somebody says I'm not safe, sometimes we tiptoe around suicide. And we use words like, do you want to hurt yourself? Mm -hmm. Do Do you feel so sad that you would prefer that you were not alive? Like, just use the word suicide. Are you thinking about suicide? And I'm saying this because I am a certified national trainer for mental health first aid. And the recommendation from the National Mental Health First Aid
0: is to ask the question, Are you thinking about suicide? Label it that. Again, people are in that mental space where it could be very overwhelming, and you ask a question and they don't know what you're asking. But if you ask them, Are you suicidal? Are you thinking about ending your life? Right? Like, do you have a plan? What's your plan? When are you going to do it? What are you going to do? The more
1: detailed the plan, the higher risk they're in. Mm -hmm. Literal quotations from the training. The more detailed the plan is, the more you should be thinking of taking them to a place or being there. You don't ever want to leave them alone. Or call
0: 911.
1: Or call 911 or whatever. You always want to be by their side and sit through whatever it is that they might be going through at the time i i'm telling you guys those times where people break down and say this is what i'm thinking this is how I'm gonna do it this is what I'm gonna do etc 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 and you're sitting there talking to them are the most valuable minutes of their life like that's literally your little why in the in the road where you can go death or survival and that little conversation right there could really push a person to survival
0: mm-hmm Or
1: can really push a person to death. Like, if they're able to verbalize, this is what I'm thinking, this is how I'm feeling. Oh man, you just got some leverage. Because now you're able to say, okay, I'm scared for your safety. This is what I'm going to do. Whether it's you're going to go and get rid of everything in their house that they could probably use to hurt themselves and Mm -hmm. literally sit there all night with them. Or call 911 or take them to the hospital yourself. Yeah.
0: I think a, a very helpful thing, too, is if you know of someone that struggles, like you were saying, with a seasonal thing or, like, it's the anniversary of their losses coming up where their child died or their grandma died or someone. A significant that anyone, other or loved one. Anyone that they loved or any significant trauma that they may have had or, like, a seasonal thing that during this time of the year it gets hard for them you can reach out to them and label that again they, they might find themselves like doing the texting deleting texting deleting type and deleting thing situation but if you're like hey tanya it is september i know it's the anniversary of when you lost your baby you want to do something do you want to talk about it like i'm coming over let's let's go talk about it or hey did you want to do something did you want to send a balloon over to the sky right sometimes right. you opening that door for them is like oh it's okay to talk about it like, okay, right. let me talk about it. Rather than holding on to this feeling and then going there. Right. Mentally. Right. right. So you can reach out if you know... Again, you have that connection type of relationship with someone. You can reach out and say, hey, I know this is coming up. How are you feeling? I'm sad with you. Let's do something. What do you want to do? Right. And if it's too overwhelming, you make that decision I for really them.
1: like the let me do this with you, like alongside of the person. Mm-hmm. I feel like sometimes... Um, I like to think of this uh, the imagery of the wounded warrior, right? Mm-hmm. Like if you're in combat, you there's this beautiful image of veterans where there's a person in combat, like their half of their body's like limping, and the other soldier is carrying them over their shoulder. their shoulder, you know? And and I love that image because you wouldn't drag the person who's wounded to take them to the paramedics, right? right. Like you're probably gonna hurt them more. You wouldn't tell them, get up, you can do this, come on, stop bullshitting, like, let's go. Like, you literally have to lay down where they are, grab them, and use your body to throw them over your shoulder, and they have to walk a little, just just enough to make it bearable for you to, like, walk mm -hmm. with them, right? But you're there along the way. But you're there along the way, and that is suicide prevention 101. Like, sitting there, if you want to be sad, I'm going to be sad here with you, We'll watch sad movies and cry together if that's what you want right now. We'll sleep together today because you're telling me you don't really feel safe. Mm -hmm. And tomorrow, we're going to go to breakfast. No, I just want to... I want to sulk in my sadness. I I know. But we're going to breakfast because the Mm -hmm. sunlight helps. Mm -hmm. And I'm telling you guys, things like sunlight, trees, open air. Movement. Movement. (laughs) Literally getting out of your house will create some of that serotonin you need on your brain
0: some of that dopamine connection a good hug yes sometimes you like hold someone that's going through that yeah i was gonna say the moment you hold them tight it's like you put the pieces back together from someone that was breaking apart like give them a good good solid hug yeah
1: like don't be be afraid to get mocos on your shirt (laughs)
0: <laughs> no, i had to i had to bring something funny because yes. i was
1: like oh i want to cry now um and and i think don't be afraid to be that change don't be afraid to create an environment where people want to to m- live live and see hope i it's a big role to fulfill to be that light right for a person make sure you set your boundaries if it's like burning you out or anything like that but but don't be afraid to say hey dude like i see you struggling i what can we hang out um no i don't really want to hang out if they're not answering your texts red flag Mm -hmm. if someone's just not answering and you know that there's like some sort of pattern paying them a visit might be a good idea Mm -hmm. if you are too busy and you can't Go visit them. You can actually, this is this is a nice fact, you can actually ask the police to do a well check.
0: Mm-hmm. Wellness check.
1: A wellness check on a person. So if for some reason, let's say you're in a different state and you're worried about this person, you yeah. can definitely call 911 and say, hey, can you do a wellness check on this person? And the police will show up and make sure that they're, they're safe. Mm-hmm. And... Yeah. The police will call you back and say yes they're safe. (laughs) Yeah.
0: It's helpful. But yeah, but like like you said, and I I wanna touch on that, the it can be really challenging and hard to be that support for someone that is struggling with suicidal ideation, but also it is really hard to live with suicidal ideation, right? So it is a mutual thing where it's important to set boundaries, but it is also a safety thing to be there for your loved ones and be there for them. And again, if you're at the point where you don't know what else to do, what to do, what to do with this, there is always professional help available. It's, it's pretty available nowadays. I mean, yeah. Instagram is full of therapists that you can reach, reach out, out or look at their resources pages. There's even online therapy now. Online, a, a simple Google. There is warm lines that are available in every state. There is... The Mental Health America website has a section of warm lines. Warm lines are people that can help you kind of talk through the process before it gets to the point where it's a crisis. So before you need to call for crisis or 911 or anything like that, when it's you're very like, "Eh, do I feel, do I not feel, I don't know where this is going, you can call one of those warm lines and kind of like process that. And then, of course, they can connect you with your local agencies for Ongoing treatment. And the National
1: yeah. Suicide Prevention Line is, like, great. They have counselors available 24-7 yeah. in English even, and
0: in Spanish. Yeah, and now you can even text. Yes, there it, is There is a resources. lot, a lot of resources. So, again, if someone reaches out to you or if you know of someone that's struggling, the resources, thankfully, are very available. Yeah. Nowadays. Open and clear. Yeah. Oh, that was heavy. Yes, but I think it's important and it I was think. needed. Yes. And so we hope that you learned something with this conversation today that it brought some perspective, something that maybe you hadn't considered in the past. We know that I this isn't a very black and white situation. Yeah. It's very, very great, very unique to whoever is struggling or going through it, hanging there. Yeah, I
1: I don't want to say anything like, look at me, I'm doing great. There is light at the end of the tunnel, because that's a bunch of BS. Um, Life is definitely a choice. Happiness is a choice. I've said that in every single one of our episodes. Love is a choice. And when you are struggling, and I'm going to say struggling... Uh, for a lack of a better word, with any mental health issues, whether it's ADHD, whether it's bipolar, whether it's depression, whether it's trauma, um, there there is some sort of choice. And, and, and the reason why I say that is because it feels like you have no control. It right. feels like it's so overwhelming sometimes that you're like, why the fuck am I acting like this? Why am I being this, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it feels very out of control well there is one small control that you have and that one small control can be a therapist. It can be taking your medication in the morning. Mm-hmm. It could be the suicide prevention lifeline. It could be the send button on your text message. Um, it's very small but I guarantee you that's you taking control of a situation where you feel
0: very powerless. Yes.
1: Yes. Mm-hmm. So in and, and it's and it continues to be a struggle um being completely honest, I still to this day disclose, hey, around this time I'm not feeling well. I I need to do these things that help me feel better. Help. <laughs> help! Help me, me. F-O-S. <laughs> so anyways, I hope this was helpful. I hope you're able mm-hmm. to reach out to anybody that you might be thinking of that this episode might, and and really important, it's not about you. It really right. isn't like when a person is thinking about suicide. Or the whole dies by suicide. Thing is not. It's not about you, honey. It's about mm-hmm. them. It's about a pain so embedded in them that there is no way out.
0: That's the only way out.
1: That's the only way out. Mm-hmm. And so I guarantee you that they've already evaluated how selfish they are.
0: But we see you people tomorrow needs you if you're listening to this we need you we need you this world needs you yes thank you for listening today thank you for sticking with us through this conversations we know that these are long episodes but they're needed so sorry not sorry (laughs) (laughs) but thank you for listening again follow us on social media Send us your messages. Send us your feedbacks. If you do have any questions, like we said at the beginning of the episode, we do have that resource highlight on Instagram where you can go in there and there's different resources for different things for mental health. Um, Remember,
1: again, 1-800-273-8255, one 273
0: talk It's the Suicide National. National Suicide Prevention Line. There you go. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, thank you guys for listening, and we'll talk to you next time. Bye. Thank you for listening. We
1: hope this was the start of the conversation for you and know that you're not alone in whatever journey you're walking. We know these discussions might bring up some challenging emotions or thoughts. So please remember that although this is a safe space to start your healing process, it is not meant as a replacement for therapy. So please reach out and seek professional help. You're not alone. Don't be scared to sit with your elephant on the couch. Until next time. (music) Oh, <music> oh,